0: Hello, and welcome to my podcast. I am Jay Sibylla Smith. I host unscripted conversations with contemporary photographers, curators, and critics to discuss concept development and the photo bookmaking process. I utilize my trademarked framework, Concept Aware, to investigate how each artist sees and how their creative practice is layered. By identifying these layers, we learn the choices and decisions that move the artist's abstract idea into a tangible object. Thank you for joining our exploration. You can find an archive of over 70 episodes on my website, jsybillasmith.com. There you will also find specifics on how to work together and examples of my experiences as an independent curator, educator. And consultant, please connect on other social media platforms where you will find me under J. Sabilla. I use all these methods to engage in a global visual culture conversation. Today is our final episode until the fall season, when we will return with a new name concept. Aware how you see and why it matters, I welcome Morgan Ashcom, a consummate. Collaborator and a practitioner utilizing photography and visual culture as a means of transformation, as a tool for justice. His recent book, published by Gnomic Books, flexes our imagination, engages our understanding of complicity, and activates our agency. We cover intense topics with a light hand, a poetic voice and much laughter. I'm so glad you're here. Let's begin. Hi, Morgan. I am excited that we have this time to talk together. I came across your intriguing, that's an understatement, book um, when I was at the Grenade in a Jar books table during the SPE, the Society of Photographic Educators, conference in Denver this past March. I knew then I needed to explore and understand how it came to be. Consequently, I chase people down and say, like, hey, come talk to me about your process. So when I received the book housed in a tightly wrapped familiar yellow film box with red tape yelling, quote, warning, exposed film Open in a dark room only. It gave me pause. Do I open the box and ignore the warning? Am I exposing something by opening this? The uncertainty and the knowledge of a potentially transgressive act were the emotions and experiences I believe you wished to evoke. A moving metaphor. Of aggression, a subtle power play meant to cause unease and to increase awareness of the potential to violate or destroy. It mimicked your experience when the original four of Four by five sheets of film you filled with the images of street scenes and portraits you encountered of the people in Nablus, Palestine, taken in 2009 when they were exposed at the Israeli border crossings. You were the recipient of a deliberate intention to disempower, to disregard. To create fear and engender defensiveness. Recreating this power play when you go to actually open, or another way uh, to think about it is to set free your book, ironically titled Open. You put the viewer, your person that's opening your book, you place us as accomplices. We become more aware of complicity or at least the ways we can be activating benign approval. You achieve your goal of highlighting as an American how you have felt to witness, empathize, and attempt to resist what is the Palestinian experience in this ongoing conflict. I appreciate how Hannah Abel-Hirsch described your work in the British Journal of Photography as performative work. Beyond documentary I agree interspersed in open are text from a frustrating and ultimately futile experience attempting to assist the oppression of the collective referenced in the individual people you took portraits of like your other book you've joined fragmented narratives to tell a more complete truth-filled picture. Your creative choices are deliberately activating a dichotomy, illuminating a paradox. You give us coded messages that speak to the enigma of control in all its overt and subtle manipulations. Your artist statement, referencing your other book, What the Living Carry, states that you pose questions using subject and form I'm excited to learn how you specifically craft these tools in your creative process and how you translate this tra- how you translate this exploration into book form. so let's jump in.
1: Uh. Um, yeah, thank you so much for reaching out. It was just like, so wonderful to see the email, your email pop up and, uh, just with an open invitation for a conversation. And, um, yeah, I really appreciate you having me here. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, yeah, I, I think that the con, you know, the, the books that I tend to focus on, uh, they come from work that evolves um slowly over time and, mm-hmm. and uh i think that open this most recent one is a uh, a good example of something that really kind of snuck up on me um because you know when i made this work back in uh when i made at least the initial steps of this work mm-hmm. uh it was back in 2009 and the the negatives were made, and then I believed they were destroyed uh when I came back through the uh the the Israeli checkpoints, and at some point my things were separated from me multiple times, and you know the box of film was opened, and it's hard for me to know the conditions um so uh but when I heard back from the you know film processor in New York city uh that hey like These these sheets are nuked. Uh, I was I considered it to be, you know, I had a lot of mixed feelings, really intense feelings of uh, having let somebody down, having let people down, um, because I I think one thing that Palestinians were uh, constantly reiterating to me while I was there was that uh you know they want to be remembered they they want to you know have their, their their story told and for a long time for almost 10 years i didn't realize uh the potential that these negatives had to sort of assist in that uh in in that effort while also you know trying not to make a work that was you know uh uh, didactic so at one point that it had had the potential to kind of um to keep a conversation going but also have this sort of poetic side to it that didn't diminish um or oversimplify what's happening Mm -hmm. um uh in in reality like on the ground Mm -hmm. um And that honestly was like a challenge to me for multiple reasons. Like, you know, back in 2009, I had a very specific idea, not very specific, but I had a more specific idea than I do now about, you know, what is it, what is it that makes a successful photograph, you know, like what are the, what are the qualities that it has? Uh, uh, is it formal? Is it, uh, the way that it, you know, engages with the world in a truthful way? Uh, and is it, is it, is it its poetic capability? So those were things that to me, the idea that the negatives did not, uh, show, um, everything that the light, uh, coming through the camera, uh, initially showed on the film, the fact that it did not do that to me was some sort of failing of the work. And, you know, over time, my idea about about that has shifted and expanded um, in a way that, you know, it was three o'clock in the morning uh, in 2001, and I, I woke up and I had I had this kind of moment, you know, where I just, I had to get in there, get into the studio, start to scan the negatives and, and, and see what was there. Mm. And to my surprise, there was more there than I was expecting.
0: Um, Wow. I think you said 2001, I think you meant 2021
1: sorry jumped out of
0: bed right yeah but still yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, 2021
1: yes yeah um yeah and that's uh and and then from from there you know it 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 kept on it kept on evolving uh i was had been in touch with wajdi who uh um is a palestinian and novelist that I stayed at his house. He introduced me to a lot of people and connected me with a lot of members of the community that um, that I ended up making portraits either of or within their kind of environments.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and and it was a combination of hearing from him about the escalation of of Israeli violence um, uh, that was occurring in uh, in 2021. Um, and it, that so it was that escalation plus my evolving ideas about what the images were, or even remembering that they were in a drawer in my studio. And then these conversations with, with Wajdi uh, uh, about his experience. And eventually he and I agreed to uh, uh, try to post some of these images on my Instagram, which Um, we ran into, into some problems. Uh, so we were going to post the images onto Instagram and say, you know, if someone's willing to send a certain amount of money to his organization, which is Mm. called human supporters associations, um, then, uh, then I would send them, you know, some, uh, some, uh, some prints from this work Mm. and we collected a a fair amount of money. and then. Yeah. And then the Israelis uh, stopped him from logging into the various websites and platforms that we were using to raise the money uh, and stopped him from verifying his identity. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, And um, that sent us into this entire uh, kind of monotonous, but also somewhat accessible or familiar maybe uh, experience, like a very bureaucratic experience um uh uh where the the banks and all the financial institutions were kind of sucking up all of Wajdi's energy and time Mm -hmm. in the midst of all of this escalated violence and trauma Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. eventually i just asked him to send me all of the emails between him and these organizations and you know opened up those emails in um html mode and uh and because i wanted the text to sort of experience some sort of distortive effect mm-hmm. that was out of my hands in the same way that the images had gone through um mm. uh, uh i i started taking that html and sort of putting it in different sized documents distorting it um wow and kind of went from there in combining those images with with the text
0: so fascinating my goodness that is so helpful um and and kind of the serendipitousness of like reaching out getting refueled having that be in parallel process to your like wait these images aren't all ruined and then You were just going through his frustrating experience, but it was this ridiculously powerful metaphor of having to verify your identity to someone who has control over your identity on some level. And here you're giving us a tangible experience of that, which obviously anyone, anywhere, anytime would be frustrated by that and would be, would there's a futility to it. There's a frustration and enraging. And like what you mentioned, it sucks his bandwidth from being able to do all the things he's actually trying to do. So that distraction is certainly a tool um, politically, et cetera, uh, uh, militarily, um, et cetera. So that's kind of, you really both started to be in a enactment of metaphor and then I'm so interested to hear how you wanted to match the it's not what you did with the html is genius like congrats like what a fabulous notion that you were like wait I want to almost get to the foundation of what's being you know what I mean it's like um you were like exposing it like an x-ray Uh, Because the HTML builds to what we actually read and this whole idea of communication and the whole idea of that benign approval I mentioned or that idea of implicitness can be so subtle and can be so intricate to these things that you don't even know are being manipulated. So you, it's like an accordion. You just like talk about expose light. You took that experience and exposed it to light um, by coming up with going into the, the HTML. And then what's really interesting, sorry, I'm jumping in and, and telling you about my experience, but truly yeah, there was almost, um, It was an interesting. I'll tell you how the book hit me and what happened and even your sequencing, and we can talk about that. Before I got to any images that actually captured a person or a part of a quote-unquote reality, the ones that were really kind of like Rothko-esque and just light leak experiments, abstractions, right then and there, because of what you had put me through to get to that point... I actually started to think metaphorically about light. If you look at light, like knowledge and you look at abusive knowledge or, or, um, you know, everything from, uh, I'm jumping here, but like fake news or this idea of like layering you can, you can have so much light that you can't see, right? Or that it has that damaging effect. So the whole spectrum of light, right? To me metaphorically was starting to make me think about perception and how we all have different lenses that we're looking at everything through. Right. So it it all of a sudden like I was already on a metaphorical run, I don't know, six pages in. You know, it was really, really interesting, but sorry, I will circle back to tell you that the way in which you chose to mix in the text, the way that you chose different paper, um, the way that some of it was translucent in a way that I kept going, am I reading this front and back at the same time? Like I had to keep going back and forth and, 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 Full disclosure, that was kind of frustrating, right? It was like, like what's being done here? And I had to be very, like sometimes it was front and back and sometimes it wasn't. And so I had to figure all that out. But here's what I wanted to, to come back to. And you can talk more about this. But the words that came through kind of blew me out of the water. Like words that came out in an English language capacity to give me an actual word. I just listed them. Um, Humansupporter.org came out in form. Compliance. Verification. Conflict and occupation. Mud. Balls. Balloon. Customer happiness. Selling history. In the future. Occupied Palestine. Make this change and believe payment to Palestinian children and ph- photograph anything overtly political.
2: Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those are, those are some of the main, the
1: main ones, uh, you know, and so I'll just talk about like the sort of treatment of the text that you were talking about, earlier, like the text exists on this page on this paper that is translucent and, you know, really like the, the mixing in of the translucent, uh, uh, pages that is, uh, in addition of the brilliant, uh, designer, Jason Coxwald and. Uh uh the, he has he also um the uh director of Gnomic Book. Mm-hmm. Um it was an amazing experience to sort of like have this uh maquette i had a maquette and mm-hmm. um and, and start from there and then see the way that his uh his the way that he can conceptualize and design things um and how it morphed into into what's here so my hat is completely off to uh to that brilliant person <laughs> um uh so uh the the so then the text you know what i think it does is it's is it's kind of on that translucent page and it's sort of alluding to uh the sort of like the camouflage uh that covers up the structure that defines you know the parameters of the conversation defines the parameters of one you know of our of our communication and uh and that definition of space is so banal it is like almost mind-numbingly banal and Mm -hmm. and and frustrating even Um, And to the extent to which, you know, everyone has had, you know, that experience of having to read like a user agreement, you know, and like what goes into that in terms of protecting corporations and empowering them to like take everything from us. But uh, the um, in the in the context of the uh, Israeli apartheid uh, that's occurring in Palestine That banal sort of already sinister experience becomes even more so, and I noticed that the that the light that the those particular words, especially the ones that you mentioned, uh, sort of started to become double, triple uh, meanings, uh, take on a very like a strong poetic possibility Mm -hmm. of not just pointing towards the harm, but also pointing towards potential. Mm. And, um, that, uh, building in that possibility into this book, uh, was, a, a primary concern of, of mine to not make it something that is strictly, uh, geared around re- revealing pain and revealing, um, erasure, but a mm. book that, uh, also pointed towards, um, uh, pointed towards different possibilities Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: there was a there's a quote by Ariella Aisha Azale in her book Potential History on Learning Imperialism Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll just I wrote it out here uh, oh good yeah I'll I'll read it it says Mm -hmm. "Uh, who would dare to say yes that the arrow of history can be reversed and that the wistful recovery of the past is not nostalgia but justice Mm -hmm and that connected with a lot of what i wanted to build into the book um and the translucent pages uh were a big part of that um and again this is like this was kind of like another moment um of surprise that occurred through like as the pro- project evolved but when i first picked up this book when jason handed it to me and and i opened it up and I flipped through, mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, oh my God, this, I didn't, we we didn't intend for this to happen. Mm-hmm. But if you flip through like this, mm-hmm. just with like a thumb on the edge, mm-hmm. none of the images reveal themselves.
0: I got it. Yes. 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 Almost again, another source of frustration and another source of metaphor. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You had, you didn't even know you were creating that. Yeah.
1: And, and, uh, and that's just, um, yeah, it was a beautiful surprise and, and what, what that to me result, like where, where it kind of leads me Mm -hmm. is being, you know, at first confronted with a very muted image Mm -hmm. and it's only, it's only by a very intentional, um, moving of this page where, something actually more vibrant and more detailed emerges out of the, out of the image.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so that idea that like, you know, going back to that Azaleh quote, we have very fixed ideas about which direction photographic, you know, uh, uh, chemistry and uh, materiality works. Mm-hmm. Um And so this idea of building in the potential for it to actually be like a reversal um, of being even more muted and then coming out more vibrant was something that the book allowed, you know, the design Mm -hmm. of the book uh,
0: allowed. Wow. You've got like fireworks going off on my head right now because that whole idea of the potential for the reversal Um, when you talk about this beautiful surprise, okay, I come up with all kinds of thoughts. One is leaning into collaboration, allowing other people whose different art forms are perfected to also jump on the concept development bandwagon. Like as a concept queen, that's totally my place where I want to be. And when that comes together, how exponentially exciting and clarifying it is because you really get down to a granular experience. And then even that's where magic happens. That's where you both weren't thinking about watch what happens. Look what we did. And that speaks again to my concept aware framework, which is all about being in conversation with your work. If you listen It's going to talk back. It's going to lead the way in a Hansel and Gretel kind of place or placement if you set yourself up for that. Like that's so key to how I think and how I try to teach and how I consult because get your head off of the product and stick with your process and you will end up with a stronger product, hands down, hands down. It's like that magic space. So you made me think of that so hard. But also, this is really kind of cool. But in another way, the reversal I see is that it's taking some of the philosophical, uh, hard, fixed ideas of photography and also putting them on their ear in the sense that you're revealing truth in a reverse order right that the truth is still there um so i'm trying it's kind of like still forming in my head because you had a lot of things make make me think of it at the same time but it's this concept of the notion that we have for 150 years talked about the truth in photography or not all of the hundred and fifty years, but hard ways of the way things are presented, they die hard, right? those fixed ideas are so hard to change on every level. And here you are really playing with that. You're playing with the truth. You're playing with evolution. You're being like loose in how you are using a medium known for one thing and utilizing it in a different order. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's been a constant, uh, uh, like something that activates the medium to me is, Mm is, is, uh, and this has been true for a while is, um, you know, taking, uh, uh, some sort of, how do you take something that seems very straightforward and very documentary, very fact-based, very literal. Mm-hmm. And how do you, uh, sort of break that literalness? And, uh, and it to me has always been this, like this challenge, this thing that again, activates the medium to me that, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm always looking for ways to do that. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, in, in, yeah with open it was it was it was really uh becoming again through the through the design conversations with uh with with jason mm-hmm. um coming to that use of the translucent page uh and because we we experimented with a lot like we yeah. we we spent we spent maybe a, a month and a half or two months like talking about things like, oh, well, could we use like light-sensitive ink or or whatever? To it, you know, it, there was all of these things that we were that that, mm-hmm. that we were digging into mm-hmm. that ended up either just being technically not possible or or potentially like too uh like too like like too um I think like you know we we felt like we would need to walk it back, you know, yeah, a dial
0: bit, it back, a bit, yeah.
1: yeah, like too
0: esoteric. And,
1: yeah but you like you don't you you, the the beautiful thing about working with jason is that is that his and and my always willingness to like approach that line and then you never know where you've crossed it until you do and then it's and then and then you kind of refine and 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 walk it back and we were like look the the mechanics of the book can can accomplish this you know Mm -hmm. and uh, Mm -hmm. that's kind of how we how we landed there
0: And then did that. I love that. And you're absolutely right. I mean, experimentation and refinement. I could put that as a tattoo on my arm. Um, That's what you need to do. But was, um, was deciding to house it in a box of like, yeah, four by five sheets. Like, where'd that come from?
2: Yeah. Um,
1: the initial, uh, fundraiser that I, uh, that I did it, it, I would send people the, the prints inside of a four by five box and I just put a piece of tape on top with my name, kind of just like I would receive the box back from a film processor. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so, so just trying to stay true to that experience and true to that, to, to that form. Um, uh, so that, that then evolved. Jason found, you know, the, this, this great tape, uh, mm-hmm. that, with the, with the warning on it. And, um, you know, you already spoke to the kind of the feelings of implication and, and, uh, the that, that, that cutting open the book. I mean, I've, I've, I've run into a lot of people <laughs> so far that have been like Morgan, it's still sitting on my table and it's not been cut open. And I'm like, it's okay. like, totally it, like, it's it, it, but and i get it i get it because it's kind of like maybe uh-huh. they, they they read enough about about the work and they don't want to feel the implication or maybe yeah it's just that hesitancy the hesitancy there but i mean this is like a really important thing that the book kind of connects is that you know even in the united states it's like it's like all of our tax dollars are funding mm-hmm. this apartheid and mm-hmm. um uh, so, so all of us, you know, with every vote we cast, whether it's for, you know, any, any party, uh, you know, at the moment is going towards supporting a system of apartheid, uh, uh in Palestine and, um, you know, so it's, so it's the national government. Uh, it's, it exists on a lot of different levels. It's like, you know, universities, I, you know, I've been involved with like a, you know, some university activism that's geared around, uh, uh, apartheid. Um, uh, the, the you know, the Israeli led apartheid and, but anyway, so it's on a lot of different layers. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, um, and I wanted to kind of like, have the book be something that reminds us of that complicity that we all, uh, unfortunately are,
2: are wrapped up in.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's so interesting. And I, I actually just as a personal note have such an experience with that, which is, um, I was involved in a lot of social justice issues in Central America and was part of a group called Witness for Peace that went and lived in the war zone uh, in Nicaragua during the Civil War, partly as a act of civil disobedience that we, I, equate my life equal to anyone else's. So my government was paying to create all this danger. So I put myself as an American in that space. So did that several years ago. So in terms of my ear to the ground for that kind of awareness, and really one of the not a, not a irony at all, but here it's called witness for peace, which I did and lived in these war zones and traveled the roads that had landmines with everybody else that didn't know if you're going to be the guy that, you know, runs over one, um, uh, coming back and seeing the media coverage or not, was an unbelievable experience. Like when you have a reality, like you did in a certain space and then have a ear to the ground, as you also did living in that for the last decade. And then you have to contend with what we are and aren't um, given in terms of information or how it's given, how it's couched, uh, how it's forgotten, how it's not mentioned um, is really... A big challenge to hold all that open, no pun intended. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, and yeah, no, I mean that 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 kind of like witnessing and uh, uh, experience, I think, is so vital, uh, you know, because like right now, like this, I mean, I mean, in, in the Israeli state knows this. That's why they have the birthright um, uh, uh, tours. You know, anybody that has uh, like Jewish ancestry, I think, on the on the mother's side. Um, can have a complete free trip um, uh, to Israel. They go through and they do this tour. So like, this is how open and progressive we are and and, uh, like all of this stuff, but it's very targeted and very propaganda oriented. Um, And, and so, so they know how important this kind of seeing and witnessing is. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it's, you know, there are groups around that do the same thing that, you know i think this group that you were involved with uh, uh uh has done but it's on it's it's for people who are interested in seeing life in the west bank uh you know as of right now gaza is like completely shut off uh, you know it's like it, it, it just the reality changes day to day there but you know the west bank is a place where you know you can get in um uh by just like flying into israel mm-hmm. um so, those sorts of trips are very important in terms of yeah sharing the story and 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 but also bringing that story back to the United States and sort of seeing all the ways in which uh you know we actually have agency to do things in our immediate surroundings that are related to this mm-hmm. um that it's not just something it's like, oh, it's only the national government has an impact on this like right. Like, throw throw your hands up type of situation, you know?
0: Um, so I'm, I'm curious of a couple of things. I believe that there was, so I love, I happen to love calligraphy. Um, and, 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 and I love to draw. So I was really taken with the title and the the imprint uh, the embossing of it. Um, and that you hired this one particular, uh, calligraphic artist whose name I have but isn't on Yeah, Majid Al- Al-Yusuf, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, you just said it and I know I have it, but say it again.
1: Uh, Majid uh, Al-Yusuf?
0: Mm-hmm, hmm
1: got and it. maybe I may be, may be uh, kind of butchering that on my, <laughs> on my That's end. That's okay,
0: no, but I found it. Yeah. I found where I had, had it. So um, this idea that is there two meanings in the calligraphy
1: and the translation. Yeah, so the 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 translation on the outside was uh uh we arrived at that by, you know, doing some um uh just like basic Google Translate type of stuff mm-hmm. and uh we started off there. And then we looked at all the different ways that uh that open can be translated um into into arabic and um and we came up with a selection there we sent the same uh like larger group to to wajdi and uh you know he Wajdi was like, well, you know, we have a political party, you know, uh, uh, here that's called Fata, and uh, uh, the, the translation that you know you're you're looking at here is 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 more pointing to them. He's like, but you need an Aleph on it, like it needs to be Al Fata, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, which is more of like a positive translation of open. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are so many different uh, translations for open in Arabic. It's like kind of it's an, it's amazing. Um, and, but then we were kind of like looking at some of these other, other translations and, and just, were like, oh my gosh, like this language is, 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 uh, is, uh, is gonna you know, opening up more potential, <laughs> sorry mm-hmm. for the, the puns, the puns are inevitable. I guess. Um, <laughs> I got uh, you. yeah, so, uh, so we, we first started off, you know, with this alpha and mm-hmm. then on the inside, once you open it up, mm-hmm. you know. Mhm this one is more intihakun, and gotcha. and it is uh something that is more like a violent opening like a uh, uh you know whereas on the cover uh, alpha is more of like openness overflowing um mm-hmm. uh and just a more positive con- connotation
0: so interesting cuz when you say a more positive connotation uh you're really talking uh about intention
2: right same word different intention interesting yeah yeah yeah
1: different different potential like you know there was a lot of discussion around the title like is the do we need another word and you know uh i i I liked the idea that open can also be like a command, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, uh, they could either be the command to open the box, or it could be a command to what needs to happen over there, which is Mm -hmm. the opening of these, uh, these hard boundaries and borders and systems of oppression.
0: Sure. And the idea of the command being open, which is what was done to your original box, and this idea of this book being in asking your viewer to be open to to more awareness, actually. Um, again, going back to that metaphor for light being knowledge, right? And that the light leak letting that happen to actually expand understanding um and i i think of it um when i was thinking originally about just all the plays on light you could have as many puns and plays on light as you can open um which is yeah. interesting was there any other specific word that was under contention for the title no
1: it was always open
0: that's so yeah. interesting, and it's so interesting to see how nuanced it is, which is so interesting. Again, I have more experience um, in Central and South America, and in my work. A million years ago, uh, I worked in a department, and I was uh, one of the people that I, I studied Spanish, and I'd, I I, 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 I. It's a far cry to say I'm fluent or bilingual, I, but I did work in Spanish. And what was really fascinating and kind of an internal joke was all the different countries that all were Spanish-speaking had such nuance between what they meant for certain things. And I came in, you know, a gringa with an American-learned use of Spanish and had to catch up to speed. And, and, and it used to be hilarious in terms of very you know, like benign words, it could mean really slanderous things, depending on which country you're from. Um, or, you know, we used to make a joke that don't talk about bugs or fruit because usually all of those connotations have to do with like sex acts or something. And you have no idea like that, what the background is. And it's so anyhow, our whole idea of communication and, and nuance. And I love knowing other languages, uh, a long time ago, I went to use a character that was fascinating. It was a Japanese character. It was referenced and I understood it to mean something. And I had a Japanese friend who, when I showed them like, wow, I think this really gets the concept I want to get across. And it was as if her face just had this veil come over it. Like I knew whatever I was handing her was not good. And I'm like, what, what, what does it mean to you? And they described that the characters like touch on five different like emotions, experiences, et cetera. And that the one that I thought was all about enlightenment, the overlay was grief and loss. And I'm like, wow. Mm. Right. You just, the mm-hmm. nuance of language. Is yeah. Fascinating. Um, that's really cool. I was, yeah, yeah. there was something I was going to ask about in terms of your sequencing, because Mm. I always think that's interesting. And it sounds like you were, um, open to collaboration on that. And I don't know whether, um, I was left wondering are all the images that have more data of real people or places, the only ones, or did you choose specific ones? And then that idea of incorporating the light leak abstractions with more informative. So tell us about that.
1: Yeah. Um, so I had worked out a sequence and this was like a big challenge for me because, you know, the way that I typically work is, is there's a lot more, uh, uh, like subject matter, to work with, um, and, and that kind of like helps guide sequencing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, so this was a complete, you know, different mind I had to put myself into. And, uh, I spent a lot of time like looking at this book of like, color swatches that I have and, uh, and really like kind of like jumping back and forth and trying to see like what I wanted to do with color. um, And, uh, because, you know, many of the images don't have anything on them. And I even used like, so like the first few pictures that you Mm -hmm. see in the book, Mm -hmm. like those are, those are negatives that were never exposed to anything, you know, Mm -hmm. like other than the light leak itself. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they, like when the boxes of film were opened, you know, there was some stuff that I hadn't shot some stuff that I, that I had.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And again, like that's, you know, that's that. To me was important to include because of that idea of potential hmm. um, the idea of what could be seen, the idea of, uh, of 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 a different reality that that can be projected into uh, into the work hmm. um, so not only imagining what uh, what was edited out by the Israelis opening the box but also imagining uh things that were not photographed, uh realities that weren't available to be photographed.
2: Mm, mm-hmm. Um and I'm and, Jeff. And, Go ahead. Oh,
1: um so uh so I wanted to start off. So the sequence was largely set by the time I entered into the collaboration with uh with Nomic.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and uh um you know I wanted to start off again with these uh with these more abstract uh uh images to to kind of start to activate people the way that you described earlier um mm-hmm. activate the vision and but also to think about that like just the idea of a line like they're mm-hmm. um, and what's happening in the film when the 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 line between what's seeing light and what's not seeing light starts to become fuzzy versus moments when it's really sharp. uh, And thinking about that in relationship to the, you know, the idea of borders to the idea of a rigid apartheid system, uh, this sort of like black and white uh, Mm -hmm. uh, idea of like way of like looking at the world. Sure.
0: Divisive division, Mm -hmm. territorial.
1: Yeah. And uh, I guess like the next thing that came in was uh, like the was the poem exactly um uh and wajdi had had sent that poem to me pretty early on in the process uh, and i i'm just like so grateful to him uh for for choosing this this particular uh Mahmud darwish uh uh poem
2: mm-hmm. because
1: it it speaks so much to what's going on like Ugh. in the work. Yep. Um, but it also is like a very forceful, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, assertion of his identity and his, and, and the idea of Palestinian agency, um, uh, in, in defining oneself, not letting anybody else define, define you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that to me was like, was really important because I've, I have always been uncomfortable with photographies, uh, uh, the use of photography to define people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, it pretends knowledge all the time. And, and, and that's a largely because of the, the, the sort of way that it's used in the mass media, um, often to illustrate things, and, um, and so we have all of these, all of these instincts built into us too. When we look at the medium that, oh, this is pretending knowledge about this or that subject. Mm,
0: mm, mm. Um, right. So I'm going to quote you on the pretending knowledge that is so key. Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I, and so so it was important for for uh, to J- to Jason uh, uh, and I to like put that poem blams like straight up front and have it be this assertion before I got too far into you know um, what I was what I was doing with the with the work.
0: Well, it's also strategically placed because it is literally the demarcation between the abstraction images and ones that actually have other information, right? Right. What, what you could say is like technically have knowledge or have data. Um, yeah. Can I just read the last part or you can, if you want. Yeah. yeah. Um, the last um, stanza of the poem, I think is so amazing. Um
2: Well, I guess we have to do
0: almost the last two, right? Mm-hmm. Do you want to do it? Uh,
2: do yeah, you can. Uh, yeah, sure. Go, go
0: ahead. Want me to? Okay. So this this part. So first of all, the title of the poem being the passport, right, which talks about this verifying identity, which circles back to the HTML pieces that are talking about someone in 2020 whatever one two or having to verify their own identity right so circle 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 that's where concept development has been layered so intently so for me why i named my my podcast got punctum because what you're hitting on is that that what Roland Bart talked about was what pierces the heart, what comes from the image to pierce the heart. And that's what you're doing. You're, like, you're piercing a concept actually, you're piercing a, a reality or a thing, but it's this idea of how powerful photo is to be able to do that, right? So I love that this is titled The Passport and this is the end of the poem. The whole thing's beautiful, but this part um, is it my name that brings dishonor? Or is it my love for the land I raised in my hands? Today, Job cries, The skies fill. Don't make me a lesson twice. True masters honorable prophets. Don't ask the trees about their names. Don't ask the wadis about their mothers. From my forehead gushes the sword of light and from my fingers flow rivers. The heart of every man is my nationality. So rid me of this passport. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa, yeah. like like it all I can think of is echo, 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 reverberate, reverberate, reverberate. Like look at all the art forms that are all yelling the same thing. Like it's so interesting to go back to your tape, right? It was yelling and it's <laughs> so like un um it goes back to what you discussed about how do you take these things that are so linear and hard fast right like that tape yelling at you to not open it unless you're in the right place and here like it is i mean just off the bat i can think of four different people using their experience and and self expression between book design poet um yeah so yeah. kudos kudos really yeah really an amazing piece um i've got two Uh, other questions for you. And um, one, let me start with, um, I can't decide whether to go to, it's a concrete one and a conceptual one. So concretely, I guess I'll stick with, since we're talking about open and you've mentioned the idea of human supporters being able to be financially supported, is that still possible?
1: Uh yes. Uh, uh actually uh just this week um we've uh initiated the first um wire transfer because that's really the the way that we figured out is you know the most steadfast um is just to initiate a wire transfer um directly to um Human Supporters Association's um uh bank account there in Palestine. Mm-hmm. And there's some you know, there, there are some difficulties, uh, uh, in that, but nothing that amounts to what was open, like what was, uh, sort of deployed the difficulties that were deployed by the, uh, apartheid forces, um, to stop, uh, any kind of fundraising using like, you know, other platforms that I won't mention.
0: Yep. 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 I totally gotcha. So good. Great to know. And if there's any links because we put in episode notes, et cetera, like I I already have the link for the dot org, but yeah, if there's more, let me know.
1: I I guess a key part of that too, is that, is that, you know, uh, We were able to, uh, uh, fundraise for the majority, uh, I guess, I guess not fundraise, but do a presale for the majority of the production costs of the book, Mm -hmm. um, uh uh so now all of the sales that are occurring were able uh, that are coming direct through Gnomic's website that's like the best way to to really get a hold of the book is uh uh going directly through the website um those funds that just that just enables us to send more money uh directly to human supporters association um uh, off the book sales um mm-hmm so I, I I definitely wanted to include information about about his organization, which is essentially I don't know how he's able to do it, but he's able to get Palestinian kids uh uh opportunities sometimes to even like travel outside of Palestine, which you know is a really mind blowing uh, uh thing to accomplish if you can think about you know the idea of taking stewardship of somebody else's kids and then taking them through an israeli checkpoint which is one of the uh-huh. most like uh scary sort of violent uh invasive uh uh things mm-hmm. and then take them through that and then get them into you know either jordan or other places in europe uh, uh i know that they have a strong link to france Um, Where they where they're able to take these kids and really give them uh, uh, opportunities for experiences that are able to kind of like broaden them outside of this uh, uh, experience that they have in the apartheid, which is like survival Mm -hmm. and very survival and, and basically managing trauma. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and these experiences that Wajdi and human supporters association are trying to, uh, 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 open up to these kids are things where they're able to consider things like creativity, like my potential as a human being outside of this depressive system. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so the, the, the work that he's doing and that they're doing with that organization is just like, it's so incredible, um, wow. um and, and, and brave and so
0: uh, necessary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And really getting it at the at the place, like it's such a crushing reality that children live in this level of fear, oppression. Uh they're forming worldviews and how can it not be what it is that they see, right? And that idea. Uh there's um I was recently at Photovale, um in Brooklyn and one of the uh container exhibitions was on war toys which is uh, a photojournalist utilizing um the whole idea of toys and kids and it, it's about having to help ultimately helping them with the trauma of how do you ingest and metabolize what overwhelms anyone at any age but is exceedingly cruel to such potential and such innocence and such, you know, it's just so incredibly damaging. Um, so yes, we will link to all that. Um, I, I have two other mm, quicker, maybe, um, uh, things that I did want to bring out. One was your other book. (laughs) and the idea that in terms of um how you use form and subject and how i wasn't completely thinking through but your your use of um these ideas of narrative and the idea that in your last book what the living carry um plays with fictional uh space so i i I guess what i'm trying to say is you have honed your way of working with subject and form and where does your other work or works or book or books influence this one
2: yeah um it's uh there are certain there's certain ways that uh that what the living carry
1: is referencing myth making especially Mm -hmm. myth making about what a rural community is Mm -hmm. Um, and that's you know and that book was very much like inspired by uh you know things that had happened in my family the way that Mm -hmm. my family self narrates Mm -hmm. and specifically like this way that my father's experience uh as a as a kid was uh uh sort of collided with a fictional work um mm-hmm. uh this book called the Reavers that was written by William Faulkner mm-hmm. and uh there's a 12-year-old boy in it uh and 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 around the time that uh my my dad was 12 Faulkner was was living in the area here in Virginia and hired my dad to essentially ride horses for him during the week to keep the horses exercised for the mm. fox hunts on the weekend mm-hmm. and and the joke was that that like Faulkner had like hired my father for research <laughs> and uh um and so 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 we were thinking so i was thinking about like this like this way that that life is absorbed into a work of fiction Mm. um but i was also thinking about the ways in which the myth of the rural community is weaponized mm-hmm. um, to create a, a sort of um a, a sort of like tr- like i guess in a, in a u.s american uh context like the idea of the pure rural person
2: mm-hmm. you know the sort
1: of voice of the nation the sort of uh uh the kind of you know the silent majority Mm -hmm. all of these things Mm -hmm. and uh Mm -hmm. and so with what the living carry i was i was wanting to like address the sort of the 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 fictionality of that Mm -hmm. um of something of using something that looked very documentary um and you know the the way that you know my thinking goes about this, this new book with open is that there is a fiction of this idea of the Israeli state, the idea of what it means to be, you know, a Jewish person in this world that has been weaponized to underpin an apartheid system, a brutal system of apartheid. And, um, so I guess the, the work is sort of pivoting around, um, in the work, meaning a lot of what I do and what, I, what I've been working on um, pivots around addressing this idea of myth through different windows. If if this if if it's sort of inside, if it's if, if identity and community identity and individual identity is all something that's like in this room then these different works sort of provide different windows in on that room Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so sometimes i'm more addressing oh well like what is it like that creates our sense of space or our our immediate reality on the ground is it the stories we tell ourselves the myths that we tell ourselves or is it like zoning laws or uh you know international like bureaucratic finance um Mm -hmm. and 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 starting to like look at different uh ways that those control the parameters of the conversation and kind of facilitate different imperialist uh 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 uh, agendas Mm -hmm. um also very personal agendas you know like am i like like am i my government no Mm -hmm. am i what like you know, my father thinks that I am, you know, or, mm-hmm. or, 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 or do I have to repeat what came before me?
2: You mm-hmm. know, and I don't. Mm-hmm. So
1: it's all sort of r- wrestling with that kind of, to be dramatic, maybe overly dramatic. It's, well, you know, okay. a no,
0: I, <laughs> say that again, what? I mean, maybe it's a
1: little existential or dramatic, but well, that's kind I of, I
0: mean, me. yeah, well, it is existential on some part, but it's actually quite real in another. And what I appreciate is that um I look at artists like yourself that you're you're offering us a form of refraction, right? You are taking it and and kaleidoscoping a a concept or an idea or a few of them and moving it around to see these different configurations. And I always find that exceedingly fascinating and really important to um, my own understanding and meaning of of both an individual and collective experience. So, you know, there's a lot of that. We're, we're not very schooled, at least at this time in our history and I'm talking human history to be able to hold dualities. We, we like black and white. We love Mm -hmm. it. And Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, that will either be the bane of our existence or it won't because it's like, that's not reality really. Um, Nor can we hold everything either. Like, so, so it's this whole negotiation all the time. And I think because I, that's the lens I walk with. It's why I so reverberate and feel validated by work like yours, regardless of subject. Like I'm totally not dismissing this subject at all, but I'm just talking about it—the methodology, regardless of subject—I I so um, admire. Um,
2: thank you. So much. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You. Yeah. And and I also really honor that that is the way to just like the quote that you shared—that that is really all about justice.
2: Mm-hmm
0: you know so that's so interesting so the last and i think we could go on for a long but i will have to to curb myself in here is i think i'd love for you to just share because you're i i believe you're both the co-founder and executive director of um visible records and uh, of what i know of it and um Can garner from website, etc. I'd love for you to be able to talk a little bit about it. And um, full disclosure, I want one of the residencies. um, (laughs) Yes, yeah, yeah. We got a plan. Please, (laughs) please, please, please. Like, it's like, oh my gosh. Okay, so tell us about that because that's another collaborative really impactful thing. Sounds like you're really, really focusing intently on addressing issues, fairness, uh, you know,
2: uh, yeah, go ahead. You yeah. talk about it, but what um, I got. So, uh, at, in 2017,
1: I was, uh, uh, teaching, I was teaching at, at uh, at two schools in uh, I uh in Ithaca, uh Cornell and Ithaca College. Mm-hmm. I was teaching in the art department there and um and uh I was about halfway through those contracts, um, uh those teaching contracts when um my my folks in charlottesville told me that uh, you know this warehouse that my uh, grandfather had like run a business out of was and had it had closed down what they were that they were going to sell this warehouse right and mm-hmm. uh and i was like okay i mean who to and they say oh well we're going to sell it to this guy. We're going to go down there and meet him now. You know, I was on break from teaching during the winter. We were going to go walk around this building. And I asked him what he would do with it. And he just said he was going to tear it down and he was going to build something new that would, uh, that would, uh, you know, return a higher profit. And um I, Uh, like my awareness of charlottesville virginia where i'm sitting now uh uh, is is even at that time was that it was a very unaffordable place it was a space it was a town that had a a rich history of alternative spaces um but a lot of those have been tamped out by just like rampant development Mm -hmm. um and um i it sickened me uh the idea that 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 this place that my family was involved with would ha- be a part of that the, the mm-hmm. negative side of it so initially i said you know just wait six more months for this you know for my contracts to be finished and and i'll come back and try to do something with this place so that was in 17 um and uh so I, i've been sort of like Or, you know, managing construction and building out spaces that are small, affordable spaces for artists, entrepreneurs, like, um, and once we were able to get the building into a place that like, we weren't hemorrhaging money, Mm -hmm. um, uh, my attention went towards this idea of, uh, of of potentially creating an art space, and I, my hats off to a dear friend of mine, Kate Fowler, uh, for sort of put it planting the seed that it could be an art space. Hmm. Uh, and um, we sort of talked about ideas. I jumped into SketchUp, you know, and started designing and wanted to build a space that was, uh, had artist studios, uh, a residency, um, uh, uh, you know, potential for a gallery and, but a large communal space, like a centering of, of, of the community space. And that construction happened during 2020. Um, and, uh, uh, which was really, uh, you know, just a very impactful time to be bringing a space into being Mm -hmm. um, to be thinking about like, well, you know, what is all of this for? What is, what, what is art? What is art doing? What is community? How does it, how is it really relating to a community Mm -hmm. and wanting to create a space where all of those questions could swirl around and the direction of it would not be uh, something that necessarily I was fully in control of. And, um, and, you know, one of the things that really guides us in, uh, in trying to set up a situation like that is uh, a dreamery Brown's emergent strategy, um, uh, which is a, a, a fantastic book that, you know, is, is something that I feel like, I don't know if we'll ever be able to live up to it, but it's something that. to me it just read like an art practice like (laughs) like oh do like like do you enjoy mystery do you enjoy not kind of being lost and figuring out where the direction is like not only with yourself but also with others like
0: you know comfortable with being uncomfortable (laughs) yeah yeah sort of like (laughs) living
1: in subjectivity (laughs) and uh you know so that's that's what that's what we're, we're we're aiming to do with visible records and right now that's like physically what's happening in the space right now is a collaboration with um, artists who are undocumented that, uh, are on the undocumented spectrum across the country, uh, uh, we did a national search, um, with a curator named Erica Hiragami, um, uh, and we've, uh, uh, now have all of that work installed in the gallery and, um, Erica's coming out this summer to do a professional development, uh, workshop for artists, uh, later in um, July. And, um, and then the community space that's next to the gallery, uh, or sort of just, you know, it's just inside the same space, uh, mm-hmm. but just, just to the side of the gallery that gets used by community organizers. We have groups that are, um, get gathering monthly to write letters to incarcerated people mm-hmm. who then, uh, help us, uh, 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 sort of guide us in what we're growing in our community garden, mm-hmm. um, which, and then that produce comes out of the community garden and goes into a free fridge and we are constantly in communication with the incarcerated people about you know here's who you're helping to feed um sort of trying to share agency and and build Mm -hmm. i guess awareness around ideas around prison abolition so
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: to a certain extent like wanting to do something like this was like me stepping out of academia Mm -hmm. um and wanting to create an enriching environment that could like be good for me and my, like just my health and survival and practice, Mm -hmm. my artistic Mm -hmm. practice, but also really, really truly engage with the community and figure out um, uh, what that looks like. Cause I've been, I've been traveling around a lot and, you know, kind of uh, rooted in New York city for a little while, but not to this extent of
2: like, you know, you're building with a
0: yeah i think um a couple of things you um it, it's the difference between like um walking the walk right and and um making manifest a, a set of values, um, which is really uh impressive. And um there's just a lot of clarity to it. it. Takes a lot of courage, takes so much work. I completely get that um that level of intentionality. Um I have my own experience the only time I was in Charlottesville was for look three when that still was happening. Oh, yeah. 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 And I know that the mall was where there were all these spaces but it just went through the roof of being able to actually utilize them um so yeah um
1: yeah you mean you mean in the in the post 2008 uh uh financial crash yeah a lot of spaces on the downtown mall opened up for a brief period and then and then they got really squashed out um by the market and um and that's you know, we're still at a very high point, you know, like I, I think like everywhere else in the country, it's just like people asking themselves, how could anything get more expensive, you know, than, mm-hmm. than just like a place, to live or, uh, a place to do something. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, we certainly wrangle that here in the Northeast as well. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of unfathomable.
1: Yeah, Um and- I and I I really appreciate the way that organizations like like decolonize this place uh, are constantly drawing the parallel between, you know, uh, what we experience here as like gentrification, which is violent, which is uh, uh, a a mode of capitalistic exploitation. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, uh, and, And 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 then they are constantly highlighting how, you know this is this sort of space taking on the mm-hmm. turn on, on behalf of government and 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 on behalf of private you know uh interests and developers mm-hmm. you know this is i mean it's on steroids for sure i'm not i'm making like a pure uh like line here but this is all also Related to what's happening in places like Palestine, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that the, the neighborhoods are being taken, or settlements are being are, are are being created on the wreckage of uh, of of whole towns that have been eradicated, mm-hmm. um, of Palestinian towns that have been eradicated, and then the Israeli settlements are coming in and just uh, wiping them out, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
2: slowly over time.
0: It's so, so interesting.
2: It's
0: well, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but what you're, what you're bringing out in terms of this, um, uh, again, it, it's calls back to that implicitness and complicitness, sorry, um, which is actually what instigated you're doing what you're doing with visual records. You didn't want to be implicated or complicit in this gentrification. So, thank you for turning that around and actually making a stand, right? Um, Because the prevailing wins are not to do that, but to, you know, can't beat them, join them kind of thing. Um, So I really appreciate uh, that level of social justice and, and, uh correlating it's so important to correlate it's not and, funny
1: and just and just leveraging privilege you know uh uh you know cuz there mm-hmm. there are so many things that you, you know that i'm capable of doing and things that i'm capable of having access to and you know before i moved down uh here to charlottesville a dear friend and uh uh uh, uh mike dalton in um in new york looked at me mm-hmm. and he said you know morgan the only thing sh- shameful about privilege is squandered privilege. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and that has been a, uh, like a mantra. Yeah, a mantra. yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Sure. Wow. Well, I was not wrong when I knew I needed to get into your process. <laughs> that was, that was cause it's really rich and I'm really, um, impressed on the level of activation you've been able to do. And I, I really love the experience of your book uh, for its poetic truths and uh, its realities aren't lost on me, um, which are really more difficult uh, to hold. But again, in knowing that that's our task is to hold all of that Um, and when you ask that question during the pandemic about, you know, what's art for, um, that's my answer is that it pushes us to, uh, grapple, wrestle, and own that, like, think about photography and the, and the zone system and the grayscale, you know? Yeah. I mean, Black and white is rare. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean it's it,
1: it's yeah it is it's that and it's also like i mean was something that i think you know uh ariella azaleh uh points to a lot is like this this sort of crisis of imagination that imperialism yes. imposes on us yeah and yeah and and the idea that that exercising that in other ways through like looking at art and things not not that art has to be useful right but but mm-hmm. but one thing I think that, that makes art really important is the sort of flexing of that imagination mm-hmm. so that when it comes to things that uh, are more imperative in terms of our you know uh, survival or pursuit of justice that that those things are that we can approach them with more imagination and see potential in things.
0: Um, absolutely. Wow, you're making me think of something. And I know we have to wrap, but we're coming up to um an annual public reading in my uh area. The uh, Somerville um Arts Council Museum etc have done this for several years and I've been a part of it uh in Boston Common as well as out here in Somerville um and it's a public reading of Frederick Douglass's uh uh What to the Fourth of what to the slave is 4th of July. And it's so powerful because he speaks of imagination and he activated, uh, activism through the use of photography and, and in so doing also gave us a way to think about how imagination holds that space of possibility. And Mm -hmm. we have such a, uh, unfortunate um squelching of that or fear of that or lack of foundational support for that and yeah. um i really love grappling with that um mm-hmm. so it's really interesting we're we're on the same trek that we were from the 1840s which is <laughs> like, <laughs> like hard but true it's like we still don't get it you know yeah but yeah Wow. Well, I, I have so enjoyed this conversation and all that you're thinking about and, and I am serious about the residency, but I also love seeing all the books behind you. That looks like quite the fun library to, to play in. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's important to have the objects around that we tussle with, you know, like wrestle with them, you know,
0: totally. Um, I'm getting, I'm getting (laughs) surrounded by them big time, (laughs) big time. And I love it, you know, um, Uh, yeah. yeah, actually, you know what of an irony is that this um podcast grew out of a photo book book group that would have been held in my studio had there not been the pandemic. And right. what was wild is that my first in-house photo book book group was happening on March twelfth, twenty twenty. So I went online within ten days and I've never stopped.
1: Which yeah. is just well, wild. It- I really appreciate the conversations you're having, um, uh, and, and the way that, you know, you, you shift between detail and concept and, um, and stay grounded in the object and, um, and, and yeah, the, the voices you're seeking out, the experimentation of the, uh, you know, of the artists that you're approaching. I really, I really have an appreciation for that. So thank mm-hmm. you so much.
0: Yeah, you're more than welcome. Thank you. I always say it's my privilege. I mean, I get to run shotgun on people's concept development. It's it's a ride. But what's really yeah. fun is I feel like, and I was very complimented when Teju Cole um, said that I enter the work with him in that case, but that I enter the work with the artist, and and I do. So I appreciate yeah,
2: it's a it's a
1: gracious also. thing to do. Yeah,
0: yeah. Mm, yeah it's really fun. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for joining our conversation. We love hearing your feedback. And we are reaching out to over 11,000 listeners in 64 countries. So every review and reflection is really heartfelt and helps us to expand our global visual culture conversation. I've taken to sharing a few of the reviews as we end the podcast This one hits it out of the park, and I really appreciate it. This is from Lynn Buchanan, and it's titled Great, Fresh, Irreverent Info. I always love listening to J. Sibylla Smith's podcast. Her interviewing style is unscripted and perfect. The conversations are fascinating, especially since she's so knowledgeable about art, philosophy, other creative disciplines, societal constructs, and life in general. Besides learning a lot and expanding my mind beyond its preconceptions, I always laugh out loud. Her sense of humor balances nicely with gender discussions around women's roles or discussions of metaphor and memory. I highly recommend this podcast. I need to put aside time to listen to them all. Thank you so much for that feedback. And yes, we hope everyone digs into our archive because for the next two months, we will not be having new issues and we will be coming out in the fall under our new name, Concept Aware, How You See and Why It Matters. And we plan to have a lot of what we've already given you even better. Thanks and see you then.